Hello and welcome to the Keen on Things podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Keen, coming at you every week. Uh, yeah, with the exception of a few skips. <laughs> uh, for half an hour, guys, the best 30 minutes of sleep you're going to get in show business. Uh, or the best 30 minutes of sleep in show business. Um, Patrick Keen, common name in Ireland. It's common. Pronounced Kane sometimes. Kane. Patrick Kane. Uh, which is good because then I don't have the pressure of having sons. My brother went ahead and had two daughters. So, and my Chris and Mike, my cousins, Chris and Mike Keen, uh, they're not, they don't have any kids. One is, one has adopted a couple kids, uh, different woman, different last name. And then uh, the other one's not going to have kids. So I'm the only hope remaining. So that's good. That's, that's nice to have that pressure. Started out with pressure, uh, being the second kid, having to be the oldest. And now, uh, I'm the only one left who's uh, possibly going to continue the family name, even though there's plenty of Keens out there. Big deal, right? Um, what I'd like to do is maybe have an orphanage in South LA or something, um, for all kinds of kids, you know, and then you can just be, then you can just be like, look, I'll show up when I want. You guys have it. But then, you know, then they can all be Keens or something. Cause that's, you know, we have plenty of kids that need the help that need parents. Anyway, asleep yet? Uh, much needed three-day weekend this weekend we're in the middle of it so this is a sunday night this is coming out my mom's uh, my, <laughs> oh god okay so my mom's in town and uh she's away at church sunday night mass afternoon evening mass so i then i can whip out my computer to my podcast it's my house it's not like it's her house but it is funny uh because otherwise I'd be doing this in my car, which is also weird. And doing a podcast is weird. Or is it? You know, who knows? It's all about community, right? And, and no matter how much technology is created globally uh, among the human, humanoids, uh, there will be efforts made toward community, um, both by uh, the masses and by individuals, whatever. Um, and then this is the newest form of community, right? Because network television is not covering it. Right, it's not that connection. It's so blown out, and we'll get to this this episode actually. Um, and there's something more real, and and so much stand up comedy now is is behind the curtain, and done in podcast forms, and it's maybe not about its laughs uh, as much as it's connecting, more so than ever. Which is really what it, you know, when it started in the Henny Youngman and all that that era, the vaudeville stuff, um, you know. Um, God, what's his name? Dustin Hoffman played him. I'm blanking on his name. He played him Lenny. He was in uh, Lenny, and um, and now I'm blanking on the last name. Anyway, he, Lenny and Richard Pryor kind of turned it into this next thing, and George Carlin turned it into not just jokes, but uh, I don't know, conversation, thoughts, philosophy. Even though it always kind of was that, you know, Mark Twain and Will Rogers were doing that, and then it became about like mass jokes, and then Lenny, um, wow. I'm blanking on his last name. He's in The Marvelous Miss Maisel. Jesus, is that his claim to fame? Um, can I think of a name beyond Lenny Kravitz? Lenny, the comic played by Dustin Hoffman. Lenny Bruce. Jesus. Okay, uh, they turned it into something greater. Anyway, where are we? Okay, much-needed three-day weekend. You don't realize how worn down you are until you have a day off or two or three. And you just let time catch up with your body or your body catch up with time. I'm not sure the direction that goes. But you just let 
let your bot like wait 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 it's almost like waiting to go to the bathroom okay now and then you wait for time and you're like oh i'm falling asleep here at 10 a.m or 11 a.m or 2 p.m and i'm sleeping for three hours uh you know you just don't do anything two to three nights in a row um and you let your body catch up or or time catch up with your body i did have a show tonight though which i'll talk about shortly um usually i want to be working on weekends and holidays i can't relax knowing i'm leaving money on the table you know family gatherings are fine for a day or half a day or whatever seeing friends for a weekend but anything after that man anything after two nights i get antsy right um i just i'm like come on i gotta be getting something done on holidays when we used to gather as families we had a cousin mark up in tustin that used to work he would work holidays um he would uh get time and a half i think at a grocery store maybe double time and i was envious i was like oh that's so good because we're just sitting here you know watching an angels game or something um or a football game that's one thing but an angels game was summertime or you just get a little antsy. I was like, I want to get be getting something done. And I think it's because I'm still on the climb, right? A lot of people my age are making establishment money, uh, part of the establishment. They, they don't really have to pound the pavement anymore. They still have to work, but it's very – they can work from home. They, they have an office. It's, it's very, uh, yeah, sedentary, right? Sedentary? Uh, I still have to be out there you know kind of for this comedy thing I, you know so sitting around during the holidays kind of drives me crazy and maybe it already always has uh but as far as this weekend normally i would have taken work in a heartbeat it just didn't happen it wasn't offered steve Byrne was gonna we we're gonna do something next weekend but i'll be in austin um i don't know maybe god was like hey you're grounded three days pal even though i get the one show sunday night house arrest apartment arrest i'm on apartment arrest then he said, hey, do you want one night of work? Because, um, you know, God takes a time out like that for 7.8 billion people on the planet. He checks in like that every week on everyone. You know, these, something to think about. These people who have a relationship with God might be selfish when they're like, I have a close relationship with God. And it's like, well, leave him alone. Okay? Him or M? I, I have M written here. M. Huh? Leave him alone. It's an apostrophe E-M. So I'm not sexualizing him. I'm not giving him a gender. I'm saying M. Leave them, thou. God has a ton of other people to get to. So don't be selfish with your close relationship. How often, how, like, how often are you taking up God's time? When you brag about this close relationship with God, you're telling me I take up a lot of God's time. He doesn't have time for 7.8. He? I just said it there. Um... Does God have time for 7.7 billion people? What are we talking about? Uh, I'm told the planet will cap at 9 billion people, multiple sources. Does that mean we stay at 9 billion or do we come off that? How, how long do we hold there? Do we come back down? Because all you have to do to get Americans going is say, hey, we're good with the environment. Go back to consuming the hell out of everything. Um, as if we're ever going to slow down. Once, once you have a taste as a human... Because you see those, I saw Russian kids in the, in the early 90s come to America. They were part of the former Soviet Union. They get their first exposure to Burger King, McDonald's, Taco Bell, and they balloon, baby. And it's tough to go back. It's tough to go back. Once people have had a taste, it's like, oh, now don't use the air conditioning as much. Don't travel as much. Don't eat junk food. Don't take those pills. 
Because Americans will take any piece of good news or consumption, justify, justify it, run with it. Uh, they will run like the 1990 UNLV team, man. I think I think the best basketball team of all time. That 90, 91, even though 91 they didn't win, they had one, one hiccup and it cost them in the final four. But I think that two-year run of – I think that was – I don't know that you can get better men bigger playing college basketball. I mean, it was – were they all 25? It seemed like it, but I don't think. Uh, yeah, we'll return to global warming as soon as we take a step off that. Climate change and overpopulation and COVID is such a matter of the network you watch. It's insane. Can you imagine a news source in the 60s going exactly against Walter Cronkite? Can you imagine that? Like, There'd be things where it's like, mm, he might be a little off here. Or even Tom Brokaw. I mean... We have that now. We have 180 directional change in the news source as you turn channels. That's so wrong, man. President Kennedy isn't dead. What? Yeah. Walter Cronkite just said he's dead. No, no, you got to turn it to turn it, turn it, go two up. You're on CBS. Go, yeah, go to this other station. And he's not dead on this network. Oh, cool. No problem. No assassination. Yeah, we're totally, we're, everything's good, man. Legit. There's no war in Vietnam. What are you talking about? I'm watching. I'm watching friggin' NBC. It's saying it's reporting casualties. No, bro. You got to go to go to station 15. There's no war. Oh, cool. Not weird. Vince Lombardi didn't win the Super Bowl. No, no. He just won. I'm watching the game. It's on. It's 1965. Nobody says what year it is. It's 1965, 66. Uh, he just won, man. Super Bowl. They just beat Green Bay. Just won another Super Bowl. No. Wrong channel, bro. Go turn turn 21. How many examples am I going to do here? Did I have to get a football example in there? God, once football's imposed upon, it's time for a revolution. Um, I subbed a class this week on the French Revolution, and it was amazing. It was incredible. I, I didn't. I guess I didn't realize how it affected the globe like it did in kind of the time period. Uh, this class I subbed, we read a little, we watched a film. It was very good. I think it was juniors, which is a huge difference. If you're working with young people, man, um, I don't know about grade school as much, but the high school, you can see four different levels of human. Um, it, it You spend a little more time, it becomes glaring. You can walk into a room and be like, this is juniors. This is freshmen. You know, man. This is seniors. And this is seniors in, their back, in the back nine. These are seniors in, in, in March as opposed to seniors in November. Cool. Kind of beautiful. Uh, embrace it. Um, so we watched film last a good long it was a good oh oh oh, the french revolution good long one man 10 years and then it ends with napoleon taking over for 15 years and just that i was like okay cool because I, I just met and then i'm like where's les miserables take place les miserables is beyond that it's like 1832 in a failed revolution uh with one of the next louis so that's that's beyond that's that's you know, that's 15 to 20 years after Napoleon. Uh, French Revolution, so many characters, came right after America's birth, right? So America against, which is a fascinating thing too. I don't know why I'm talking about this. I should be talking about comedy. Um, America's born, you know, uh, what, 1788, I think, is when the first president happens. And that's about when, so everything's set. And then that's about when French rebellion takes place. The wealth gap is just too huge. Um, 
and just it's fascinating right if you ever get a chance to read tale of two cities by dickens it's amazing people in america know 1776 but very few know how long the war lasted how long did it last ask ask yourself that do you know how long the revolutionary war at you know the world war ii for the u.s was 41 to 45 uh the civil war was 61 to 65 um the mexican war was i think two years in the mid 40s World War One was what nineteen fourteen to nineteen seventeen for the U.S. a little less, um, right? Civil War we covered this, but Revolutionary eight, War of eighteen twelve when was that? Um, how long did that last though? But people in America know seventeen seventy six Declaration of Independence, but do they know uh, how long it lasted? Do you know? Ask your partner. I know, but I study this stuff. You know. So it went till it ended 1783 is how long it went. So that's a long, that's seven years, man, uh, which is all, which is as long as the, uh, the seven year war, which is 20 years before that, when um, England was fighting France and the natives. So the France, it was the French Indian Wars because um, we were at that time English. We aligned with the English, right? America. I'll tell you a good trivia question. Who was the first president born in the United States? Not America, but who was the first president who was born when it was called the United States? It would probably have to be, I think it's Zachary Taylor. I think it's like, that's how deep it goes, 11 or 12. Because the rest of them were born in an English in the 13 colonies of England. Isn't that interesting? Um, people in America know something. Okay. So 1783, the war finally ends. And then you got, and then it's like, what do you do, U.S.? This, why isn't this a July 4th episode? Am I going to get to... All right. What it took to the, get to the Articles of Confederation, then the Constitution, then the first president. It's all fascinating, right? What it took to get there. Um, so 1783, Revolutionary War ends. Articles were written in the middle of all that by James Madison, right? Dolly Madison. He'd be the fourth president. And I think he was president during the War of 1812. But he would write the Articles of Confederation, which lasted until 1789 and was replaced by the Constitution, what we know now as the Constitution. So it served its purpose. Before the uh, United Nations, we had the League of Nations that uh, Woodrow Wilson tried to establish in the late uh, 19-teens after World War I. Uh, he was a little too stubborn from what I read and was told. Um and had to be on his terms, didn't meet everybody halfway because all the countries wanted it, America and everybody, but uh, didn't happen. United Nations would uh, be kind of, would become that um, 25 years later after World War II. All right, anyway, okay, so um, Constitution 1789 served its purpose. George Washington becomes president, what year, guys? Of course, we know that, 1788. Um which is 12 years after the Declaration of Independence. So he served French-Indian Wars uh, on the side of the English. Then he fights this Revolutionary War, 1776 to 1783. And then in 1788, after all that, he goes into a two-term presidency. They wanted to make it more, but he's like, no, that's the whole point. We don't want a king. Two terms is enough. Um, wasn't really made law until after FDR in the 1900s. But he does the two terms. He's got to be exhausted, which is why he dies three years after leaving office. Um, but by the time he's out of office, which is 1796, he's been in the leader of the country basically for two decades, man. George Washington. That's such a trip. Um, okay, great. Anyway, so the French Revolution was in part triggered by the stalemate they hit in the New World, right? Their kind of expansion dies in the New World. They have Quebec. Um, 
you know, they in 1800 or what, 1802, they sell the Louisiana Purchase to then President um, Thomas Jefferson. So they're kind of flailing. Um, so yeah, and the guillotine, the presence of the guillotine and the significance of that in France, just all the people slaughtered. It's just, it was a trip. So if you ever get a chance to look and study the French Revolution, it's it's like a European, you know, it triggers everything. Um, England continued to thrive um, because of their prominence at sea, right? Remember, we remember from episodes ago, 1588, uh, they upset the Spanish and they take over the seas from the Spanish, which is why uh, Spanish expansion halts. Uh, English continues all the way into the end of World War II. Um, I don't know why Portugal and Netherlands cooled off at sea. Why did they cool off? Were they just not, maybe they just weren't warmongers and they were just like, we're about the ships and the coastline um, because they have so much coastline for what their countries are because it was them and then it was the Spanish and then it was the English Um, and before then the Vikings. Before that, the dinosaurs. Uh, Guys, (laughs) all right, we'll stop talking. Where are we? Are we? Oh my God, we're halfway. Okay, we got to go here. Uh, we got to get into this episode. Guys, whether you live in Hollywood or anywhere in the world, check out this company, Script Pipeline, and get your script looked at. Unless you want to uh, hold it up on a pedestal where it will never be seen, which is what a lot of people do, you need a second set of eyes and another brain on your life. You know, I've gone too, uh, too long untouched, almost 50 years here, uh, without that, and uh, it shows, okay? You want criticism, you want uh, constructive analysis other than your own brain right not only do you get good seasoned eyes on your script but they're located in los angeles with industry contacts they have the contacts you're not sending it to a company that's in oregon you know or ontario canada okay not only are they good at reading and but they know the reality of getting a a script sold of getting a movie made the rates they charge are very reasonable i've used them Uh, I know it's hard to let people see your work, but this is who you want seeing your work. They help get you exposure, secure deals, acquire representaciones, establish relations, and sell projects. Get connected. Script Pipeline is joined by Film Pipeline, Book Pipeline, and Pipeline Artists, a new platform to educate and inspire emerging creatives. Branching out. They are the link. Don't need to move to Hollywood to follow this dream. God, if they were around when I started or if I knew about them, I would have never left Korea. I'd be teaching there. I'd be fluent in Korean and Japanese, traveling and submitting scripts. And if you sell something great, if not, you at least, you at least gave it a shot. You know, you put it out there. Instead, I got hooked on stand-up comedy and cheap thrills, live audiences. Chase your dream. Do it from home. Scriptpipeline.com. Guys, I got to work with Don McMillan tonight at the Brea Improv. Um, he's amazing. Um, but you guys all know that because you were there. Don is hilarious, smart, funny. He was funny and hilarious when I started in 2000. He was ready for what's happening to him now. He's on America's Got Talent, doing very well, a finalist. But he was ready for that 20 years ago. Um, He's ready for this good fortune and attention 20 years. That's how long it can take. You just have to stay alive. Some people pull themselves out of the game, understandably. But you stay alive, you stay relevant. Most don't. But he hung around, and he's thriving now. He's a finalist um, on America's Got Talent. America's Got Talent is, a, is weird for stand-up comedy um, because stand-up comedy is a specific thing. Uh, America's Got Talent is not a stand-up comedy layout or audience. It's bubblegum. It's fluff. Uh, it scares me. 
But if you know how to work that crowd, like I've, I've had auditions for America's Got Talent and Last Comic Standing, and, and it's strange, man, to me at least. You know, picture Seinfeld, those little show openings, you know, those little bumpers when he's talking to an audience in a small room. To me, that's what stand-up comedy was. And I was like, oh, cool. This is what I want to do. Get in there and just share your thoughts. And uh, instead of your head or your mind being a wall, make it a window and enjoying that together with strangers. Um, Man, I would go into those auditions at Last Comic Standing and America's Got Talent, and I wasn't sure I wanted to advance. I mean, you want to do well. And you want to be seen, but you don't know if you want to advance. I'm like, it's just tricky. I can't, I don't know. I'm not comfortable. I can't control anything here. Uh, but it will only help your career. It's just a matter of how it will help and kind of those avenues. For a stand-up comic, it's just all different. Bright lights, it's all manufactured, hosts, questions. It's not an audience that's truly into the material, which I love. Uh, in my opinion, we either need to be a simpleton comic or strategically write G-rated stuff that you can't really, you know, you can't really stand behind. Having said that, if you play music or do characters or do magic, do magic or, or what Don does, and he's the first to incorporate technology like this into his stand-up comedy set um, in the PowerPoint form, it's brilliant. And he brings it into the current zeitgeist, the office place. It's fantastic to see his style of comedy get maximized get maximum exposure to see someone's talent get utilized like this it's the right you know it is it's the right script getting to the right director and right actors the right casting because there's nothing worse man you got a movie and you're like oh if this one or two different people playing these roles or some movies are glaring where it's like oh man they just had that guy be different or that girl be different um also a movie needs to have the producer with the right balls uh with the right balls with balls the right ones just with balls getting a project finance um so for his style it's great it works and uh and it's good it needs to be on tv and he'll have some kind of famous show i hope because he's he's an engineer you know at heart now he's a comedian at heart but he's an he's got an engineer mind too um so it's a good show for him and that's not downplaying anybody that's done well on those shows i don't want to do that i just maybe i look at the negative side of that too much and not the positive because it does help comics good or bad it helps them and eventually if they're bad and they get helped then they get exposed eventually and they have to then they begin their fight um and if they're good and they get exposure and that's great okay for my own career i feel like exclusive stand-up comedy is not necessarily where i thrive you know i've still got years to go i think hosting a show and playing off other performers or civilians are a strength that get me ahead that's more of a skill set i have that i don't see in other stand-up comics maybe sharing the stage i've never cared about sharing the stage or sharing lunch like when i have lunch with two or three comics and they're hilarious i, I love it because i can just sit back and enjoy and i don't even have to talk um and i have no problem doing that i'm not trying to keep up with the joneses you know keep up with the indiana joneses dun, 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 dun. i could um i could do i can do it at stand-up if i continue and uh, but i think i shine brighter hosting a show which is why i'll be in austin again next week and possibly the final time for shooting um we have so much footage and need to chop it up into something special or make it dog shit either way it'll be done and we'll be good and we can move on but i think it'll be fun uh the editing process begins very soon my point is where are you going to thrive at your finest 
Where are you going to thrive, you listeners? Plenty of mediocre athletes out there go on to be amazing coaches. Um, you know, plenty of B students, C students, flunkies go out to uh, make a lot of money, run companies, do great things for the world. You, what you do, you exhaust yourself in one direction and then turn and go to the next, wherever that next is. You know, no shame in failing. The only shame is in not trying. Am I right, ladies? Um, so, yeah, Don McMillan doing well and will continue to thrive. You know, I opened one of my first times doing a club comedy. I was up at, uh, I was working for Warren Counts. So it was 0102. And I had a Friday night. At, it's called Hornblowers at the time. Now I think it's called the Ventura Comedy club uh ventura harbor quindale got me the gig um because he we worked together he liked me and he's like hey man come to a guest spot it was a guest spot and uh it's first time i saw craig robinson craig robinson was headlining and um had the piano and he was so mellow and he was in the back watching and he was just a great guy and um and he was calm and i was like who is this guy and then he goes up and rocks it on the piano for this crowd so funny wasn't even sold out wasn't you know probably half and it was a friday night so i'm opening for craig and clubs weird to say either i was younger and i'm looking through rose-colored glasses they were a little more sophisticated even in that place it just felt a little more there was a little more um reverence i felt like um yeah so so craig did well then and then you know you'd see him at the improv a little then i ran into him at the orlando jones party in 03 i guess that was a year later he was on a show called vegas and i was like finally this guy's on a show he's just so funny and that show did its thing and that night he introduced me to a girl who was beautiful and i was like oh what a what a great guy he is and i was like man he totally kind of sent her off to me um then i realized she was utterly insane and I was like, oh, this is why he did that. Had nothing to do with uh, friendship or being cool. But um, but he was unreal then, man. And he played the piano downstairs at the Ramada Inn on, uh, I don't know what it's called now, on, was it Santa Monica in Vermont? Henry Phillips hosted a show there well. But it, that, that, even after that, it took a couple more years for him to get on The Office. And obviously he's exploded now and he's fantastic and next level. I mean, commercials and movies. Uh, but he had to wait forever, it seemed like. And how talented is that guy? And how castable and everything. So it, it just takes a while. You know, sometimes your name and face and act and presence need to pass through the ears, eyes, desk of a casting agent three and four times. For like, oh, okay, yeah. And I've seen comics improve. And you're like, oh, my God, that guy is good now. That girl's good now. Um, but it is hard because in L.A. you can be seen too soon, which uh, I started there. So I didn't know any better. And people make their decision then, and it's it's locked, it's locked. Um, so yeah, I'm turning fifty in a uh, God this month. We're in September, and I'm trying to go forward and rework mistakes in my head, life mistakes, which only in show business are things seen as mistakes. You know, it's not mistakes. It's it's just it's surviving in an insane business. Uh, in your personal life on stage and off and so it's not really mistakes as much and and you go back and you and you, and you get hard on yourself uh, for some things and you let up on the gas and other things um and you just you try to relabel the experiences moving forward that's what i'm trying to do is reparent yourself and go okay i made that horrible decision based upon this this and this 
and you look and you're like, okay, I'm going to cut myself some slack there. And then you look at other parts where you're like, oh, I'm being a lazy slob. That's me acting like a 32-year-old guy uh, or a 25-year-old guy instead of uh, what you are. And you try to apply that and learn how to handle things um, in the future and uh, be a man about things and quit bitching about rooms, comedy rooms and clubs that are toilets or shitholes or poorly run and just go do, do it. How do these these other guys that are great, Chappelle's and and you know I just listened to Nathan Nate Nathan Nate Bargatze on uh, Rogan. It was a great episode. It was just a great you know I don't always love when he when comics are on there, but he, his was amazing, insightful. Gaffigan's was amazing. Louis C.K.'s was amazing with Joe List. They're great. So I just went against what I said, but those are great episodes of Rogan that I liked and listened to. They all had to go to those rooms, those crummy rooms, those shitty rooms, those poorly run rooms, and follow some act that was like you know yeah the pussy where's the pussy you know just the horrible shit and so i just got to get beyond that and just take it on the chin i i i, I got to respect um two women in particular are tig and um i'm blanking on her name she's from minnesota i just saw her at the improv um maria maria bamford not only women traveling it's harder for women doing these stand-up but their style they're not like big sex acts like yeah let's you know guys who's out there and wants to get laid you know they're doing their style and they did the road they did this pre like comedy central coddling you know comedy central will coddle an act and more power to you man i would take it and run they're you're kind of an industry darling and they kind of make you big and they get you on some shows and you get a following and you do the right rooms in new york or la mostly new york and then all of a sudden you have a following and you can go travel with that and kind of live your career and and make a, make a career. But these two, Maria Bamford, Tig Notaro, they had to do it before the coddling. And they had to do it as women with different styles. You know, Ellen DeGeneres too, man. Um, they had to travel the country, you know, alone, do these clubs and uh, and not be blown out, boisterous, yelling into the mic, you know, humping the bar stool stuff like that they, they're very intellectually based funny people um and they had to get past those shitty rooms headlining those late shows friday night right that late show friday is such dead weight anchor uh in a comedian's mind at least it isn't mine maybe not the successful ones or the ultra uber successful but you're just like oh that late show friday where they're tired and drunk and you just and it's 45 minutes to an hour of just like oh god um you should almost have a totally not a totally separate set for that slot but uh, almost um so anyway yeah so that's the big thing with 50 and because uh, it's like when are you gonna when are you gonna pull the trigger here man you know on this stuff uh so anyway don mcmillan was great great guy look for him very clean very funny not that clean is whatever necessary but you know if you got family or if you just um you know, you want to recommend it to coworkers and you don't know how they're going to feel. But this guy's great. So check him out. America's Got Talent. Hopefully he lasts, continues. The run's not over. Uh, where are we? Are we at 30? Sorry about this. Jesus. Was I, what the hell was I talking about? The top half of the episode. The French Revolution. Do I have to make that the title? This was supposed to be about comedy and turning 50 and stuff like that. Maybe next week. Uh, okay, guys. Thanks for listening. Keen of comedy. Um, Bray Improv was great. Um it's weird to the traffic to get to the Bray Improv, the Ontario Improv, the Irvine Improv from LA is worse than 
getting on an airplane sometimes and flying to a gig in Tampa. But uh, they do a good job. I do prefer the Brea Improv to the Irvine Improv because uh, it's just racially. Northern Orange County is more racially mixed. You know, they're not as paranoid. You know, uh, not everybody's in a flat build baseball hat with a pickup truck worried about who's going to take my taxes. I mean, it's just like, Jesus, guys. I've never seen such paranoia, man. I'm like, you guys are the richest, whitest people on the planet. And everyone down here is ready to fight and their fuses are so short. Um, so yeah, anyway, that, okay. Keen on, keen on things podcast, keen of comedy on all the social media platforms or don't just get through, get through it, you know, just get through it. All right. Thank you. I love you. Literally. If you're listening to this, I love you. So let's stay in touch. Try to keep coming at you every Sunday night. Thank you, baby.